Well, good morning, friends. It's a, it's a pleasure to introduce you this morning uh, to an honoured guest of the college. Uh, Pastor Andre Binon is the president of the Evangelical Church of New Caledonia. Uh, he's welcomed a recent graduate of the college who uh, those in uh, third and fourth year perhaps will remember, Peter Hines. Uh, Peter is now working uh, under Pastor Andre in New Caledonia. Uh, and, uh, and we are going to be meeting and talking this week about how we at Moore College may partner with them uh, in the work of equipping pastors for New Caledonia and indeed the Pacific region in the Evangelical Church. Would you welcome Pastor Andre for Pastor Andre is not just a faithful servant of God uh, who has been leading his people for many years, uh, but he also speaks four languages. Unfortunately, the four languages that Pastor Andre speaks and all of the language that I speak uh, has no overlap. (laughs) Uh, And so this week I've been praying earnestly for the gift of tongues. So far, God has chosen to answer that prayer in the form of the Google Translate app. Uh, But we are having a good week together. Um, If during the course of this week you speak French and you would like to rescue our dear brother from my ineptitude, please come and join us for lunch uh, at any time. You'd be very welcome. It's always a joy and a privilege Uh, to meet with Christian leaders from other places. Uh, It's actually one of my favourite parts of of the work that we do here at Moore College, that uh, we have connection globally with with ministers and leaders around the world. And uh, today we're going to be coming to the end uh, of our walk through 1 Peter. And as we come to chapter 5, we are brought face to face with the the issue of Christian leadership. Uh, Peter turns our attention to that. And I'm going to read through the chapter in a moment and we're going to see in this chapter the motivations for Christian ministry, the character of Christian ministry and also what we can expect from a lifetime of Christian ministry. And because this is the Word of God, these are things that were not just true in Turkey in Peter's time uh, and are not just true in Australia and are not just true in New Caledonia but are true of all Christian ministry in all places at all times. 1 Peter chapter 5. To the elders among you I appeal as a fellow elder and witness of Christ's sufferings who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them not because you must but because you're willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, 
Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power for ever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I've written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. First then, the motivations for Christian ministry. You see it in verse 2 and 3. We're given three clear motivations for ministry. And in each case, Peter tells us what the motivation should not be and then what the motivation should be. Not because you have to, but because you want to. Paul wrote in uh, 2 Corinthians about feeling compelled to share the gospel. Now, we've heard, how can we not say? And there's a sense in which anyone who has heard the good news of the Lord Jesus is compelled just by that knowledge to speak. Uh, If you knew the good news and you never shared it, there'd be something terribly wrong, wouldn't there? There'd be something badly wrong. Either you didn't understand the news or you didn't love people. So every believer who understands the news and loves people must feel compelled to share the gospel, compelled into Christian ministry and service in some way. But we must never take on a particular role in Christian ministry, any particular form of Christian ministry, because we feel we've got no choice. You don't talk with Jesus, uh, talk to Jesus. Uh, to your neighbour about Jesus because you feel like you couldn't do anything else. You don't teach Sunday school or get ordained because you feel you had no choice in the matter. You cannot willingly serve if you feel you have no choice. We have choices. The work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to so radically transform us that we want to do the good that God has prepared for us to do. He changes our desires and motivates us to truly want to serve from the deepest places of our heart. I was having dinner on Sunday night with friends. Big dinner. Lots of food. Red meat. Great stuff. I was pretty full. But then it came time for dessert. And it was lemon meringue pie. And I'm thinking I'm full. But I've had lemon meringue pie before. And you know, it's kind of crunchy but oozy and it's sweet but tart and it's... So I had it because <laughs> what are you going to do? I mean, is that how you feel about Christian ministry? You're actually doing it out of desire? 
I, I have to say, honestly, it is like that for me. I, I, I sometimes feel embarrassed that I get paid to do this. <laughs> what a joy to spend your life telling other people about Jesus. What an awesome gig that is. It's wonderful. And I hope that your experience of Christian ministry will be like that. Not all the time. It's not every day. It's not in every moment. But overwhelmingly, I pray that that's your experience as well. See, suffering and difficulties, grief, they're never far away. But it is a huge joy and privilege to be a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Serving, not because you have to, but because you've tasted and seen that it is so good. Uh, The second motivation that Peter gives here is one that has infected churches all over the world. It's greed for money. Uh, Pastors and leaders who manipulate their congregations into giving with all kinds of false promises or veiled threats about what God will do or won't do, depending on how much money you give, it's, it's awful and cancerous. But ministry is service and we ought not to expect to get rich. So the second motivation then is not to be greedy but instead to be eager to serve. The third one closely tied to that is because service is at the heart of all Christian leadership, we must not lord it over people but instead be examples to the flock. When anyone shares the gospel with another person, the power of that news creates a great power imbalance in the relationship between those two people. And it is easy for those who have the gospel to, in ministry, manipulate and bully and coerce others. May it never be true of us. The recent conviction of George Pell has just kind of again highlighted all of that evidence that came out uh, in the Royal Commission Institutional Pedophilia just brought it all back again. That horrible evil, evil men lording it over those who were entrusted to them. And all of us bear the consequences, don't we? Australian society doesn't draw distinctions. We're, We're all tarred with exactly the same brush. And the work of the gospel and the ministers of the gospel have been dragged through the mud by those who have evilly exploited those who are entrusted to them. But of course it's not just true of those kind of big, obvious, public hypocrisies, is it? Anyone who's got children knows this. So uh, my daughter, when she was four years old, was appalled at my hypocrisy. She actually wanted to ring my mother uh, because she worked out (laughs) Margie couldn't actually control me. It was... uh, (laughs) She wanted to go up the ladder to ring my mother to complain that I had been kicking a ball inside the house. (laughs) 
And that was against the house rules. And how could I and where could she turn for justice? <laughs> Hypocrisy is appalling, isn't it? But it's, it's actually true of, of anyone who gets to know us. Isn't it? When people see our lives, if the tune of our lives does not match up to the tune that we say, they cannot hear a word that we say. And it's only when those things are together that we actually bear true testimony to the gospel of the Lord Jesus. When, uh, when the message of our lives and the message of our mouths are different, it's awful. But when they're in tune, uh, that is beautiful music. And the secret to getting that right, of course, is Jesus. If we preach Jesus, if we live for Jesus, if we model our lives off Jesus, if we think more of Jesus and less of ourselves, then we're heading in the right direction to make beautiful music for God's glory. And that brings us to our second point about the character of Christian ministry. If you were to, to, to just pick one thing about the Lord Jesus to begin working on, one element of his character that would make a, a dramatic difference to the way in which you served, it's, it's humility. We see it from verse 5. Um, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. We'll quickly rush over that one, do you think? There's a thing about elders. There's something nobody talks about about Christian elders. You know what? They tend to be older. Who knew? Uh, sorry, submit yourselves uh, to, those, to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Uh, my dad was a great do-it-yourself handyman. Uh, I'm sure I've told some of you this before, but uh, when I was growing up, it, it, it was a sign of just complete moral failure if you had to call a tradesman to come and do anything at the house. <laughs> it didn't matter what it was, Dad could fix it and he expected me to learn. And so if there was concreting or wiring or plumbing, or the car needed fixing, or the house needed painting, we could do it. And on those rare occasions where it actually appeared that we could not do it, uh, especially to Mum, <laughs> uh, what would happen is that Dad would take me somewhere else while the tradesman came and fixed it up. <laughs> Because so great is the shame of not being able to do it yourself that he, he couldn't stay. And I wonder, are you like that? And I don't mean about your plumbing and your house and your car and stuff, but I, but I wonder how entrenched in you is the desire to do it yourself and to take pride in your capacity to fix it yourself. What about when the pressure mounts up around college? Do you just work harder? Try and fix that yourself. When there are conflicts in your relationships, 
You're just going to fix that in your own strength? When life seems to get out of control, do you fix that yourself? Maybe you're aware of some sin, a temptation, a besetting sin for you, a battle that keeps coming back. Are you you just going to fight harder? In moments when you feel far from God, when you feel alone and disconnected, as if you're just kind of going through the motions, do you try a new technique? Read a book about a better habit? Do you discipline yourself to try and fix that too? I wonder at what point do you fall to prayer? At what point in the process do you say, no, I can't and I need God? If you try to live the Christian life in your own strength, you will know because you will always be anxious. Do you see how it uh, falls out here in these verses? See, God's word gives us a great contrast here, a different way, a radically different way, the way of humility. Have a look again, verse 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Do you see that the proud, independent person will always be anxious, always be stressed, always be relying on their own strength, on their own cleverness? And pride is a massive temptation for those in Christian leadership. The pride of thinking that we alone have the answers. You heard of the Elijah syndrome? Oh God, there's no one left. I am the only faithful one here. Now, you've never said that out loud, but I wonder how many times have you thought that to yourself? We're just a bit more clever, a bit more spiritual, a bit better in any way than those around us. Just got it a bit more altogether. The pride of thinking that we can do it in our own strength, that we can control the circumstances, that only if only we plan well enough and we get the strategies right, we get the organisation right, we get the presentation right, we'll create the right kind of atmosphere or train well enough or have the right qualifications or read the right books or whatever it is, if we just do that, that success will come. And we're relying on our own strength to do it. But pride in Christian ministry, do you see, is the opposite of faith in God. In fact, our pride puts us in opposition to God. Verse 5, God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Now, God has blessed me with more reasons to be humble than anyone should need. But still... I battle with pride. I battle with thinking of myself too much and thinking too much of myself. And it's a particular problem, I think, around college as well. Qualifications and education so often lead to pride, to boasting, 
to being puffed up. But true theology, true knowledge of God always leads to humility. In fact, the better you know God, the more humble you will be. The clearer your vision of God, the more you will shrink in comparison. The closer we draw, the holier we realise how he is. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His mercy and love are overwhelming. And the more that I understand of his power and his holiness and his love, the larger he grows in my eyes and the less I think of myself. And I think of myself less. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hands have made, then sings my soul, my Saviour God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. The motivations for ministry, be willing to serve. The character of ministry, humility. Thirdly, the expectations of ministry. A friend of mine in Namibia named Goodson is an archaeologist and we used to go to church together and one Sunday I noticed he came along to church and he just looked very, very tired. And I said, oh, Goodson, brother, you're looking very tired. What's going on? He said, oh, I was on an archaeology trip. We were in the mountains. We had to park the car and then walk two days to the site that we were looking at Uh, we worked on that site for three days, walked two days back out and I'm here back at church just now. And I said, well, that obviously made you very tired. Very perceptive guy. (laughs) uh, He said, it's not just that. He said, it's not just that. When we arrived at the place, we realised that we were being stalked by a leopard. (laughs) So there are three guys on the archaeology expedition and at any moment two of them were either working or sleeping and one is watching the leopard. Uh, Because if you're being stalked by an apex predator you best be paying attention. You know exactly where the danger is and so he said for seven days I've slept very very little. I said I understand that brother. Uh, But isn't it great that he knew where the danger was? Isn't it great that he knew not only where the danger was coming from but what to expect if that is the risk that you are facing? And I wonder, friends, as you prepare for Christian ministry, do you know where the danger is coming from? Do you know what the risks are? What are your expectations about what may go wrong in Christian ministry or where the danger will come from? Come back into the word, verse 8, with me. Peter writes, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you've suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. And there are two things that Peter says we must uh, expect here. We, We must expect suffering. 
and we must expect glory. And we've actually got to get them both. You've got to hear them both clearly, suffering and glory. And not just have you got to hear them both, but you've got to realise that the one always comes before the other, that in fact there is no path to true glory that does not lead through suffering. It'll be suffering first and then glory. I know that there are people around who promise another way, but it wasn't that way for Jesus, it wasn't that way for the apostles, and it certainly here is not promised it'll be any other way. But the path to glory is paved with suffering. And friends, that means that we mustn't be discouraged when it happens. We mustn't be surprised when it happens. If we want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, every time we suffer we can be encouraged because God told us that this is exactly how it was going to be and here it is turning out exactly the way that God said. You know that the enemy prowls around like a lion looking for a meal, you know to expect Suffering is one of the key ways that our faith might be tested and refined and if you know that, you can be on the lookout for it, you can be ready for it and be prepared. Life in Australia is going to get more uncomfortable but we have to be clear this is exactly what God's word has always said it will be like. We are foreigners and exiles, strangers and aliens and we have to be prepared for that to happen so we're not surprised and caught off guard because this is the way that God has said the risk is likely to come. And it's okay. Stand firm. It's okay. There's nothing new in this. The family of believers down through the ages and all around the world have faced far worse than we're facing. It's normal. It may not have been normal for you till now, but it's normal. It's okay. Know that it's coming. It's okay. No surprises. Stand firm. And in the midst of it all, and maybe you're feeling in the midst of it all right now, in the midst of it all you need to hear again one of the most precious promises in the Word of God. Verse 10, The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered for a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. See, God does not leave us in our suffering. Suffering leads to glory. One day, not too far away, we're going to wake up in a new heavens and a new earth. Do you, you know that feeling when you pull on a new pair of socks? <laughs> it's good, isn't it? Or maybe you've got some new clothes or you get into a freshly made bed. Isn't it glorious? Can you imagine waking in a new heavens and a new earth where Everything feels like that. (laughs) One day soon, we'll hear God say, Behold, I make all things new. And there'll be hard times and the evil one will tempt you to give in or pull back, but every time that happens, remember this, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ After you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen.